Welcome, everyone. Please open your Bible or turn on your phone to your Bible app to Luke chapter 9. You know, during the holiday season, we're doing a short series of messages here at Connection Point called Turn the Corner. Last week, we talked about turning the corner on the past, letting go of what's behind us. But as the new year begins, today I want to talk to you about turning the corner toward what's ahead. Have you noticed how New Year's resolutions often turn into New Year's disappointments? In January, we all have good intentions, don't we? But by February, we're making excuses for all the resolutions that we have not kept. I came across this list of excuses that an insurance company actually received written on claim forms by people who had had car accidents, and they wrote down the reasons for the accidents that they have. Here are some of them. One guy wrote, I was minding my own business when suddenly an invisible car came out of nowhere, hit my car, and vanished. Somebody else wrote, I thought I was home, but turned into the wrong driveway and collided with a tree I don't have. Somebody else wrote, the guy was all over the road. I had to swerve back and forth several times before I hit him. And then I like this last one the best. Somebody wrote, the cause of this accident was a little guy in a little car with a big mouth. Well, most of us are better at making excuses than we are at keeping resolutions. But when we come eyeball to eyeball with Jesus Christ, when we get face to face with Jesus and we decide we're going to follow him, our excuses and rationalizations have a way of just melting away. At the end of Luke chapter 9, three people came up to Jesus and they expressed a desire to turn the corner, to leave the past behind and follow Jesus closely. And the Lord challenged all three of them, each one of them, to turn a corner as they followed him into the future. This scripture in Luke chapter 9 contains three important lessons that we need to take to heart, three big challenges that Jesus gives us as we move into the new year. Here are the three challenges that Jesus lays out for us. I want to show you all three of them, and then we're going to go back and unpack them as we look at this scripture. Following Jesus is a commitment, not a convenience. Following Jesus needs to be our first priority, not an afterthought. And following Jesus requires forward movement. Now let's go into Luke chapter 9 and dive a little deeper into this chapter and unpack each of these points, starting with verse 57, which says, As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Now, you know, that's exciting. You'd expect Jesus to put his arm around this man's shoulders and say, hey, everybody, did you hear what this guy just said? He wants to follow me wherever I go. I'm so pleased to have this man on my team. You'd think that's what Jesus might say. But instead, surprisingly, it almost looks like the Lord is trying to discourage him. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. You see, this guy hadn't really thought things through. He hadn't counted the cost of following Jesus. He told Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. But where was Jesus going? He was going to the cross. He was going to be betrayed and crucified. 
Following Jesus isn't a trip to the Holiday Inn. Jesus says, I have no place to lay my head. Now, he's not just talking about not having a bed to sleep in, because we know that sometimes, according to the Bible, he stayed with friends like Mary and Martha and Lazarus. He had friends who would take him into their home. Most nights, probably, he and his disciples just camped along the roadside and slept on the ground. But when Jesus says, foxes have dens, he has something more in mind than just not having a place to sleep. Ask anybody who served in the army what a foxhole is for. Foxes have dens and soldiers have foxholes because they're a place where you escape from danger. A foxhole is not just a place to rest. A foxhole is for dodging bullets. Jesus said, birds have nests. And again, a nest isn't just a place where birds rest and sleep. It is that, but it's also where birds hide and escape from predators. Jesus is saying, it's great if you want to follow me, but do not expect luxury. Do not expect ease. Don't think you're going to escape all danger and hardship. You see, following Jesus is a commitment, not a convenience. Yes, the Lord gives us comfort and peace and purpose and strength, but he does not lure us with false promises. Actually, you have to admire Jesus' honesty. He doesn't say, follow me and you'll be on easy street. In fact, just a few verses later, in Luke chapter 10, verse 3, Jesus told his disciples, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. That sounds like somebody's going to get hurt. Lambs among wolves? A shepherd doesn't send his sheep, especially the little lambs, out into the wolves and say, sick them, sheep. No, sheep are going to get hurt when they're among wolves, but Jesus said, that's how I'm sending you out. There's going to be some pain involved in this. You're going into a dangerous world. But later, if you look at Luke chapter 10, verse 17, it says that those same disciples came back with joy. Serving Jesus, following Jesus, they found to be difficult, but deeply rewarding. That's what it's like to follow Jesus. It's not always convenient, but it's a commitment that we make and it leads to fruitfulness and joy and purpose in your life. So as you turn the corner to a new year and think about the year ahead, I challenge you to commit your life to Jesus Christ. Count the cost, but don't put it off. If you have been thinking about being baptized, if you have been thinking about serving the Lord in a new way, don't wait till a more convenient time comes along. Commit yourself and do it now. If you've been wanting to improve your physical health or become more consistent in prayer or pursue counseling or to help a neighbor or reconcile with a friend, don't wait until it's convenient. I have a friend who told me about something he calls GICOD. GICOD, it stands for good idea cutoff date. Good idea cutoff date. What he's saying is there is a point where even good ideas shouldn't be considered anymore. They need to be acted upon. He's just saying, quit thinking about it. Quit discussing it. Quit mulling it over and finally just take action and do it. Following Jesus is a commitment. Not always convenient, but it's a commitment we make. Then look what happens next in Luke chapter 9. Jesus said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Now, that sounds like a really reasonable request. 
Surely it's okay to take care of your dad's funeral arrangements. But according to Jewish tradition, as your parents aged, you were responsible to care for them until they died. So it's actually possible that this was just an excuse. The man may have really been saying, look, uh, you know, my dad's kind of getting older and someday he's going to die. And then after all that, I will follow you then, Jesus. It may be that he was asking for an indefinite delay. And actually, if you think about it, this interpretation makes sense of this scripture because if the man's dad had recently died, what was the guy doing there in the crowd with Jesus in the first place? He should have been home with his father and with his family right then if it was a recent thing. More likely, this hadn't taken place yet and the man was just looking for an excuse to put it off. Now, at first, Jesus' response to this man sounds kind of harsh. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Now, I want to make clear, Jesus was not being mean here, but he was being honest and direct. Jesus is not against funerals and burial customs. It actually honors the Lord when we treat our loved ones with great dignity and honor. In fact, following Jesus should make you a better husband or wife, son or daughter, mom or dad. Families are a very high priority here at Connection Point because we find that when the Lord occupies first place in our lives, actually, our families will never be shortchanged in that process. The Bible says, Children, honor your father and mother, and husbands, love your wives, and parents, don't exasperate your children. So it might be, as you turn the corner toward the new year, the Lord might be leading you to give more time and attention and affection and guidance and wisdom and love to your family. Jesus is not saying here some kind of a slam or negative thing about our love for our families. As I said earlier, if you put the Lord first, your families will not be shortchanged. But when Jesus says, let the dead bury their own dead, it appears that he's saying something like, you know, those who are spiritually dead, virtually anybody can take care of the physical act of burying a body. But what's really more important is to be spiritually alive. Faith is the foundation of a healthy family, healthy relationships of all kind. If we love our moms and dads and sons and daughters, we want them to find spiritual life, eternal life, life forever with God. That's better than any fancy funeral. When you die, it's not how you go, but where you go that matters most. So the point is, for ourselves and for our families, following Jesus is our first priority. It's not an afterthought. In 2021, Will you live your life that way? Jesus told this man, you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Make that a priority for you. God's rule in your life is not a side dish. It's the main course. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I want my family to live that way. I want our church to be like that. I want that in my own life to make the kingdom of God top priority. You know, my wife Candy and I were driving here in Indianapolis on I-465 the other day, and we noticed a car that had an interesting license plate. My wife snapped a picture of it, and I hope you can see it. The license plate simply says one cent, C-E-N-T. And I was fascinated by that, and I really wondered why would somebody choose to have that license plate 
on their car? Were they signaling the fact that they're kind of cheapskates and they don't want to spend a lot of money on a car? Or are they saying something about their low self-esteem that they think of themselves like one cent or having very little value? If, if somebody's watching this message right now and you're driving that car with one cent, would you please let me know what you mean by that? I'm very curious about what you mean. But you know, I'm kind of taken by that, the thought that one cent sounds like so little value. My wife Candy and I love to take walks. We've done this for years. And we started years ago picking up any loose chains that we might happen to find on the sidewalk. Even the pennies we'll pick up. To this day, if I see a little penny just lying there on the ground or on a parking lot or in the sidewalk, I will usually stoop down and pick it up and put it in my pocket because it reminds me that every little thing matters. And it's a reminder to me that people matter. Every person matter. Even people who think they don't matter or have no value and they're only worth one cent, they matter incredibly to God and they should matter to me. Remember Jesus told about a woman who had 10 coins and she lost one of them and she swept all over the house until she found it and then she rejoiced because 10% of her money was gone and she rejoiced when she found it. And Jesus told about a shepherd who had 100 sheep and one of them strayed away and wandered off. And the man, the shepherd, left 99 sheep safe in the sheepfold, safe in the pen. And he went out and searched diligently until he found the one that was lost. And he scooped it up. And I love this picture of, of, the, of the love of God. It says the shepherd picked up the lost sheep and put it on his shoulders and carried it joyfully home to celebrate because one out of 100 was lost and now it was found. That license plate that says one cent makes me think about another way to think of it because I am one cent, S-E-N-T, on a mission to reach out to the one who is lost. You're sent on that mission too. We are sent to seek the lost and proclaim the kingdom of God so that all of God's people can be safe at home with the Lord. So will you make following Jesus and proclaiming his kingdom your top priority in 2021. Now, there's another point to notice here in Luke chapter 9. Following Jesus requires forward movement. Forward movement. God does not call us to just sit still or turn back or give up. The Christian life is about forward movement, moving forward. Several years ago, our family was growing and we needed a second car, but we couldn't afford to buy one. So we had a dilemma. Well, a young friend of mine offered to sell me his car for $1. I said, well, what kind of car is it? It was a 1970 Ford Maverick, <laughs> painted black with bumper stickers plastered all over it, advertising heavy metal rock bands. Just what you'd expect your minister to be driving, right? So I gave him a dollar, and the car was mine. Now, let me tell you, this wasn't a second-hand car. It was more like a tenth-hand car. And when I gave him a dollar for it, I think I overpaid. <laughs> you know, uh, you've heard that expression, you get what you pay for. Well, my one-dollar car had many, many quirks. And one of them was the transmission was worn out, and sometimes I couldn't get the car to go into reverse gear. Do you know what it's like to drive a car that won't go backwards, that has no reverse gear? Let me tell you, you are very careful where you park. 
The only direction you can go is forward. But you know what? That's what it's like when we decide to follow Jesus. The Lord doesn't put us in reverse, so we're always looking back. And he certainly doesn't want us to stay in neutral, so we're just sitting there not going anywhere. He calls us to move forward. Well, somebody else came up to Jesus. Luke 9, verse 61 says, Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. You see kind of a theme developing here with these guys and their excuses. Now, again, it sounds like a reasonable request to say goodbye to your loved ones. Who could argue with that? But again, there's more to this story than appears on the surface. Jesus sees past our surface things that we say and looks at our true motivations of our hearts. I think Jesus recognized that deep down, this man was actually just stalling. In those days, when children left home, the family would throw a big extended feast to send them off in style. The party might last for days. Weddings, we know, lasted for at least a week in biblical times. So it appears Jesus knew that while this man's outward words sounded really good, deep down in his heart, this man was just putting off his decision to follow Jesus. But first, I want to go and have a party. First, I want to live it up for a while. First, I want to do this and that. I want to delay. You know, let me just tell you, for me personally, I have found that I get in trouble whenever I say to the Lord, Lord, I will follow you, but first, <laughs> whenever I say, Lord, I'll follow you, but first I want to do this or I want to do that. First, I want to take care of some other things. First, I want to do my own thing. First, I want to live it up for a while. No, that doesn't work. Jesus knew this man's heart, so he challenged him and he challenged us in verse 62. Jesus said, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. You got to turn the corner. You can't just be looking back all the time at the things you have done wrong, the mistakes you've made, the hurts you've been through, how awful 2020 was. You just can't keep looking back. You've got to look ahead. I love this example Jesus uses of putting your hand to the plow. My dad was a farmer. He didn't plow with oxen like they did in Bible times. My dad plowed with a tractor. He showed me how to plow. I got on the tractor with my dad, and dad showed me that the key, at least in the old days, the way we would do this was you had to get the first row straight. He would plow right across the middle of the field, but the way he did it to get the row straight was he would fix his eyes on something on the opposite side of the field, a fence post or a tree, and he would never avert his eyes from that as we drove all the way across the field. He knew if he looked back, the furrow would be crooked and we would get off course. Folks, there is a new year ahead. It is time to turn the corner. It's time to put your hand to the plow and follow where Jesus is leading you. When you're plowing and the ground gets rocky in the days ahead, you got to keep going. Keep your eyes on Jesus. When it's a long way across the field and it seems like you're never going to get there, you got to keep going. When it feels like you're plowing alone and the work is hard, you've got to keep going because someday, because of the plowing, there's going to be planting and growing and fruitfulness, and there is a harvest ahead. But you've got to keep plowing, and you've got to keep going forward. So as this new year begins, 
My challenge to you is commit your life to Jesus. Don't just say you're going to follow him, but follow him. Make him your top priority in 2021. Move forward by faith. Say, I have decided to follow Jesus. There's no turning back. No turning back. Let's pray. Our Father, we remember the words of the Apostle Paul who said, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal. Help us as this new year begins to press on toward the goal and move forward with faith in you. We know you are trustworthy. We know that you will not lead us astray. We will follow you where you lead, God. Give us strength this year to do that. Thank you for hearing our prayers, Lord. Thank you for hope and for what lies ahead as we follow you this year. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.